Actually, guys, can you give me one minute? Can I take that call? Yeah, sure. absolutely. Mike and I are ready to do this podcast with Gerald, and he walks away. Too big, too important for talking to Mike and I. I get it. It's good to be the Gerald, I guess. But All right, sorry about that. No problem. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Squat Cobbler. This is Kelly at K-E-L-L-Y-T-H-U-L on Twitter and Instagram. And I am Dr. Mike at Official Pagan on everything. And this week, we're back to doing playlists. I don't know if they're prisoner exchange playlists or just playlists, but we're doing playlists. Six songs. We go through them. We recently did one for Mike, and it's my turn this time. And Mike's better at this than I am, but occasionally he'll run a theme through his. Mine's a pretty transparent theme here. You know, very unfortunately, uh, the wonderful and amazingly talented Neil Innes passed away not so long ago. And... I had the distinct pleasure of actually seeing him once live. He came to Bloomington, played at a local bar, and went and saw him. And the material that you saw, I shared the playlist with Mike, a lot of it's live footage. Pretty much dead on to what I saw that night. From a, He's a really fun, entertaining guy to, to listen to. Very funny, very talented. We'll miss him. But I thought, pretty good chance that Mike isn't steeped in the Neil Innes catalog. <laughs> and so... He'd give him some new stuff to hear, and just kind of out of respect to Neil, I thought it'd be kind of nice to, to do a list for him. So any initial reaction when you got this list, Mike? So you were correct, not, I wouldn't say steeped, a little bit familiar. I know that he had collaborated with Monty Python and was involved in the Ruddles and then Bonzo Dog doo-dah band stuff that you would introduce me to. So a little bit of familiarity, but definitely not that deep into his catalog or anything like that. Now, just to uh, comment on what you said, though, I think you brought up something interesting that maybe we should think about at some point, maybe talking about some of the best shows that we've been to. I think that'd be a great show. I'll have to think about, I have two <laughs> that are going to slug it out for the number one position. But yeah, I think that'd be a pretty fun, pretty fun show to do. You've had, you, I think you probably have a larger volume, but I got a couple good ones that uh, we can talk about. So yeah. Excellent. I think some of my choices would throw people off. We expect the unexpected from you, Mike. <laughs> so, <laughs> as long as you're not saying Celine Dion was one of your favorites. So. <laughs> Hanson. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> and we're a little deep into this, and it must be because I'm the Sherpa that I've neglected to mention. Mike and I would sure appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's a great way to stay up to date when these new ones come up, including the live concert review discussion that we just mentioned. So please be sure to do that. We really appreciate it. See that? And you guys got to be privy to the creative process here. You got to see behind the curtain. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it was a remarkable experience for them. <laughs> <laughs> we are all changed. All right. Let's just get right to it. So I, I messed with you a little bit. We usually do six. My playlist I gave you had five because the first entry actually uh, is two songs. Sir Robin from Money Python and the Holy Grail. And then Run Away, which was intended to be in Holy Grail, but they eventually, he wrote it for it. They didn't use it. A version of this made its way into the Broadway Spamalot uh, version where he and Eric Idle, they collaborated on like Rutland Weekland Television and the Rudels and all that. But when Eric decided to do Spamalot, he 
paired up with more of a Broadway guy, I guess. They did have uh, the Brave Sir Robin song in Spamalot and a version of this Runaway song uh, as well. But you probably have, I expect you have seen Muddy Python on the Holy Grail, so the Sir Robin song won't be new to you, but I'm assuming Runaway would be both. So why don't you just kind of talk a little bit about your impressions of both of those two songs? So obviously I'd heard Sir Robin before from the Monty Python film. I don't know. I, I'm assuming it's because of decontextualizing it and taking it out of the movie. I didn't notice before, but it definitely seems like something that would have influenced something like Voltaire, who we've discussed before on here. And in the context of the movie, I don't think I would have picked up on that. But the live, just, you know, acoustic performance of it definitely kind of put me in that same mind state with it. The runaway thing was great, especially the sort of trying to get the audience involved and it not quite working out in spots. There's a band that we've discussed, another band we've mentioned on here, Blink-182, who I'm not a fan of. That's not a shot at them or their fans or anything like that, just not my kind of thing. I did hear a live recording of one of their songs once, though, where they were trying to get the entire audience to scream fuck, and the singer of the band had screamed something into the microphone, like, you know, scream fuck for me, and the audience screams fuck you. Instead of screaming the word fuck, misunderstanding what he was. And then he sort of, you know, like, hey, guys, that's not cool <laughs> response to them. So it kind of reminded me of that of like, you know, trying to get the audience on board to play along. So it, it was definitely fun. And I appreciated having the the live versions of the first few tracks on here. His stuff is really great. It's, I enjoy it quite a bit. But when it's him live or when it was him live. It just there's an extra added piece to it because he is he's really affable and he, he, the interaction with the audience seems pretty genuine. As you mentioned, kind of in Runaway, he's working with them to kind of get him to come along. You're gonna need to sing along and trying to pace him through it, and they kind of get it and they don't get it. And he, but he very patiently kind of gets it going through, and, it, and everybody has a good laugh with it. But yeah, it just really it um it makes him it really just adds to the song. His personality comes through really strong in it. And so the live versions are great. Runaway as a song is cool and funny, but live it's even better. And that's why I picked that that version, because it just really, really made the, the song stand out. All right. The next one, and this is when I saw him live, this ended up, I hadn't, I wasn't familiar with this song when I saw him, uh, and I fell in love with it instantly, <laughs> because uh, it, a dead-on parody of a certain other singer, Joffrey Daniel. Spoiler alert, folks, this is a parody of Elton John, and you know, the Elton John, Bernie Talp, and strange set of lyrics that bernie would roll out from time to time and it is i mean to me it is dead on this could have been an elton john john song but the you know their tongue is still firmly in cheek all the way through it kind of has a lot of fun with the standard elton john song format and so i said this is i just think a really fun song and and a dead on parody so i think when you're going to do something like this and parody a particular singer Having the live video the first time through, I really appreciated and really enjoyed it. But then I thought back to it and had to watch it again, not looking at the video to kind of take that away from it because I wanted to see if the song still held up and I would still recognize it as Elton John without the the props that he throws on with it. And I think what's great about him where this works, and this might come up again later in the playlist, where this works is you can still hear who he was sort of mimicking, I guess is the right word. I don't even want to say parodying because I feel like it's, at least for me, when I think parody, I think like Weird Al. And this wasn't that. Like this was something that could almost actually be an Elton John song, like you said. Yeah, and you know, he's got a track record there. He he did it with Elton and he certainly did it with the Beatles. So the Rudels. And I had thought about putting a couple Rudels song on here, but I, I tried to stay with stuff that was really kinda 
solo Neil for the most part. And so that's what, what these are all made of. But the Cheese and Onions is uh, could have been a Beatles song. There's just so many things. If you ever go back and hear any of the Rudel stuff, it is just like Piggy in the Middle which is a parody of I Am the Walrus. Uh, you know, not a parody, but it's kind of derivative of I Am the Walrus, but in a lot of different ways. But you just you see the artist coming through. You see their kind of phrasing. You see a lot of the, the delivery pieces, and he's just he's able to nail it. And you're right. It's not like a Weird Al parody, but it is his cut of, if I was this person, here's how I'd do it. And he's a really talented guy. And that's really what makes it interesting, because when I think parody, I think like Weird Al, like something that's sort of mocking the song. And I don't necessarily think he's mocking Elton John, but just doing like a funny impression of Elton John. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be mean-spirited by any stretch of imagination, but it does, you know, play up the aspects of what an Elton John song would be, like when you think about Daniel and those types of things. This Joffrey Daniel is like right in that same camp. The next song we'll go to, whipping right along or into number four here. I didn't know this was Neil initially when I had saw I I had heard this. I had bought the Secret Policeman's Other Ball because there was some Pete Townsend stuff on it, and the songs there towards uh, towards the end. And fell in love with this song. This one is definitely kind of a another kind of jokey parody, uh, but again in the Neil in his way kind of thing really really funny but i didn't really make the connection to to neil until a little bit later i go like oh that was neil innes i fell in love with it on the secret policeman's other ball that album and this is actually the the cut that i gave you they'll be in the playlist for the folks to take a look at is that performance and there's just so many things with uh <laughs> the uh, the lyrics the the use of the harmonica strategically that it, but it is probably the most jokiest of all the ones but uh, another really funny enjoyable song and it really works for me in the same way in that so i'm gonna go out on a limb here and assume that there is some mild referencing of bob dylan here i think that's a safe limb to be on <laughs> <laughs> and i i would say like where it works again and not that i'm a big bob dylan guy although i have seen bob dylan live which always kind of, one of the things that kind of throws people off when I talk about live shows. Not going to be on my list for best live shows, but I have seen Bob Dylan live. This, this again, could, while it is joke, it's outright jokier, could still be a Bob Dylan song. And that's really where it works for me, where it's a great impression more than just a parody. Yeah, it, it's a really kind of interesting niche that he occupied that very, very few other people did that where he could do these, these things where it is. Is a parody, but it's not a parody. He's really kind of channeling the individual, and some of those are Bob Dylan-esque lyrics. When you go, let you know, let me turn you on to the chromium swan on the nose of a long limousine. It's cool stuff, and and then uh, the use of the the choruses. You know, rain on the tin roof sounds like a drum. We're marching for freedom today. Turn on your headlights and sound your horn if people get in the way. And using the harmonica to simulate a, a very compelling and believable car honk <laughs> at the end of the song was a special moment for me. Absolutely. Now, are you a Dylan guy, Kelly? So I'd say. Mostly. I enjoy his uh, stuff quite a bit. Infidels, actually, like of all the Bob Dylan albums, Infidels uh, is actually one of my really kind of favorite albums. And the Neighborhood Bully uh, on that one is a, a song that will probably make its way to one of these playlists at some point in time. I found uh, when he had kind of gone into the kind of Christian role a little bit and I guess Serve Somebody and all that, that was... I found really intriguing and interesting to listen to. I'd say, you know, like the very early Bob Dylan, I could probably take or leave, but as he's kind of gone on, I've really seldom gotten anything of his that I didn't enjoy, but it's not been a huge sampling of his catalog. How about you? I wouldn't say like a big fan. I mean, I do like 
Dylan songs, though. I did see him live. Strangely, not I wasn't there to see Dylan. I was there to see the other band on the bill. And it happened to be that Dylan was the headliner of that show. I stayed for Dylan, though. I, I did enjoy the show. I wouldn't say that that's my type of music. And I'm not I'm not anti sort of folk rock music or country or any of that kind of stuff. In fact, I'm a big country fan, just not what we think of, I guess, as country or like mainstream folk or country music of today, which I guess he he leans closer towards. I think it's it's one of the big strange conundrums of music. And I guess this is a tangent. One of the big odd things to me that have happened in music in my lifetime was when he did an album for Victoria's Secret. So I missed that one. <laughs> yeah. So he made a, I don't even think it was an out. It might've been an EP. I think it was like six songs or something like that, but it was like an exclusive release written and recorded for Victoria's Secret. So I remember I went to Victoria's Secret and they had the album there and I was like, well, I'm buying this. <laughs> so the one Bob Dylan record that I own is the Victoria's Secret album. Is it Bob Dylan sing songs for Victoria's Secret? Or what is it? To yes. Say? Yeah. And, it, oh. and he was in, he was in like their ads and stuff at the time too. And this wasn't like, I don't know when Victoria's Secret started, but this wasn't like a long time ago. <laughs> this was, this is old Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Good for you, Bob. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't have been if, you know, if I were looking to do the soundtrack for Victoria's Secret, I don't know that he'd have been on my short list, but super odd. Very odd. <laughs> I had no clue yeah. on that at all. And that's what like I I remember thinking I listened to the EP. I remember thinking it was a it was a decent release. It was just one of those things that just seemed so odd that pairing. Yeah, odd's a word for it. I wish they had followed it up with an EP of Neil doing Bob Dylan. <laughs> for uh, Old Navy or something. <laughs> yep, that'd have been good. He could probably have done a really good Dylan, too. I think he had kind of centered a little bit more on Mr. L. John and the Beatles and all that type of thing. So, all right. So, uh, How Sweet to Be an Idiot is the uh, fifth song on the playlist. This was, Neil had two popular songs. I don't know if you call them complete hits, but they were popular songs. And I'm the Urban Spaceman uh, with the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. And then after they kind of parted ways, How Sweet to Be an Idiot was uh, Neil and his solo outing. It's probably one of the ones that people associate with him the most. It's a good song. It's not the over-the-top humor. There's a little bit of kind of whimsy and just, it's not an over-the-top funny quite like the next song we're going to hear, which is a lot about wordplay and all that. But it, uh, it's a clever song and it's a good song. It's just, it stands on its own. It's not a comedy record. I think it does kind of reflect some of his thoughts. I'm, I'm assuming this is one you had heard before. So it, it's hard to say because it sounded really familiar, but at the same time, what was interesting about it was this, to me, sounded like it could have been a song from the sort of 90s British invasion thing that happened as alternative rock was getting big. When you had bands like Radiohead and Oasis and Blur were suddenly very popular here. Like this, this sounds legitimately like one of those songs that could have came out during that time and not in a fun or comedic way. Like dropping all of the sense of irony of it, this could have been a serious song by one of the bands that that would have fit into that that brief period. Yeah, I I hadn't looked at it that way, but I can absolutely see what you're you're saying. And like I said, it's just where many of the other things we've gone through so far clearly intended to be humorous. Very, I don't want to call it necessarily over the top, but it's intentions are clear <laughs> in the earlier songs. Where this one, there's still kind of a humor to it, but it is, and I think he kind of nailed it in terms of. 
if you were to kind of say liking it too and it's and it's not bob dylan it's not medieval tunes of spamalot or, or uh, money python on the holy grail about that time frame and that style i think it nails it i hadn't really thought of it before but yeah and then as i went through getting six songs for the sixth song i went through a ton of options and i had this was a spot that i kind of kept flipping and flipping and flipping and then i came across i was familiar with the title of this song but i hadn't really spent much time with it and so i wanted to get you a good playlist with some diversity on it and stuff that i thought was really clever so i finally kind of dug into this song a little bit more and kind of fell in love with it thought it was awesome it's called Cezanne Cezanne. it's a a very music holly kind of song a lot of wordplay a lot of having some familiarity with artists is helpful to fully understand the humor uh, in the lyrics just kind of a clever little witty pub or ballroom kind of song so i thought it was a kind of a fun way to end this playlist off very different than anything else we've heard before he, he does a lot of diverse stuff anyway but a really kind of fun way to end it so Cezanne says i like Cezanne. Cezanne, your thoughts on that song i liked it very different than the other stuff that was on here which i think was a little bit more i don't know if i want to say serious but definitely more musical leaning whereas this is is just fun but I, I still really enjoyed it. A definite change of pace from everything that came before it, but fun song. Yeah, and I think that that's the, uh, I mean, you, you here you get his lyrical ability and a kind of cleverness and kind of turning some stuff, but everything before then was a combination of still funny lyrics and good things to do, but also just a, he's talented. He's a talented composer, and that, that will come through in a lot of the other ones, whether it was, you know, trying to simulate somebody else a little bit, but you could get that. Where this one's fairly straightforward, there's nothing, not breaking any records or anything new entirely entirely with the, the score of this song or the, the underpinning music, but the lyrics are a hoot. So you made it, we've made it through a Neil NEA's playlist. Any parting thoughts? couple things. So I had a really good time with this. It definitely makes me want to go out and search out more of his catalog. I tried not, just like with all of these, I tried not to do any kind of a deep dive beforehand just because I don't want to be sort of influenced by anything else. I just want to take it as it is. But it makes me want to go out and listen to more of his stuff, which I think is really the underlying point of all of this. Like if we're introducing each other to cool new music and hopefully the squatties as well. The only other thing I would say, I did just quickly Google on my phone for anybody who's interested, Bob Dylan fans out there. It was an album and it was called Love Sick and it came out in 2004 exclusively in Victoria's Secret. Wow. <laughs> Maybe we'll sneak a uh, the album cover uh, in the blog post for folks to <laughs> have a reference point for that because I think it merits that. I'm glad you enjoyed it and going to dig in more. What The other thing I steered away from, which was really hard because it would have made this list. I made some mention of it earlier. The Rudel stuff is amazing. And there's just a ton of really good Rudel stuff out there. It's another thing I decided to keep off of this list. But it's a dead-on stuff that's just definitely worth um, listening to because... I think he was a little irritated with Eric Idle uh, that he Eric didn't involve him more in Spamalot, and so there's also and it looks I think it's from one of the live performances that I included in the playlist. He does Ruddlelot, which is kind of a medley of some of the top uh, Ruddle songs, and uh, it's definitely worth a listen. So uh, yeah, if you dig more, definitely spend some time with the the, the Ruddle stuff because it's super cool. Well, on that note, we'll thank you for subscribing at the beginning of the podcast and look to chat with you again soon. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Uh, 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 uh,